following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. Yeah, that last part's not true. No Derek Eagleton today. Sorry, everybody. It's me, David Hellman, uh, joined by Nick Amber. They're still here. Bringing Brian brought us into the mix for an off-season edition of The Break. Derek is actually uh, it's in Houston for a signing day ceremony, is he not? He is. His nephew? His nephew uh, from Crosby, Texas. Uh, I don't know exactly his name. He, call, he calls him something else, so he always calls him by nickname. But he's signing with New, New Mexico. Mexico. That's cool. That's awesome. Mexico or Army, which is kind of weird when it comes to football, but New Mexico's winning. Or yeah. won, actually. Won. Unless there was a last-second switch. I don't Wait, know. Hey, it is signing day. You I hope know. not because he had the hat. So he, yeah. brought, he Derek, Derek had the hat. Derek brought it down for him. That's nice. I think Taylor helped with that. With her well, yeah, I mean, we, we keep it in the family here at DallasCowboys.com. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, good for Derek. He'll hopefully be back when we do this next week. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining me, everybody. And, actually, uh, we see it on the TV in here. Sort of have some unusual, uh, unusual and breaking variety news, which you can't always count on when you do a weekly show. But uh, I want to start this thing off with, Something that's actually developed in the last 12 hours, which is that Josh McDaniels has withdrawn uh, from the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job, which great. Okay, why does that affect the Cowboys? Brian, why does that affect the Cowboys? Well, it affects the Cowboys because of Matt Eberflus being involved and that, uh, you know, all along that Matt Eberflus was going to be his defensive coordinator. And uh, so at the end of the season, uh, you know, Matt had made the decision that he wasn't, you know, he didn't sign a contract extension last year. There was talk about he was uh, had an opportunity to interview for the San Francisco 49ers job. Club blocked him. So he felt that, you know what, I'm just going to ride this one out and see what happens. And he had a – he has an agreement with the Colts. Obviously had an agreement with Josh McDaniels, but Josh McDaniels, as you said, is going to stay in New England. It sounds like that the Colts are still – going to honor that agreement. They have several coaches. Matter of fact, they've, I was talking to somebody in the league. They'd built a pretty good staff. There, there was no, it's not just three guys that they'd hired. They were negotiating with more guys. So they, we'll see how that all turns out for uh, whoever the next head coach is. Which I'm reminded, you know, Nick, you and I as writers cover this type of stuff on a regular basis, including this year, which kind of makes me think of that, which is like, well – you know, we're sitting here like, why, why can't we go with this stuff? Why, why, why are these teams dilly dallying right. on announcing this? Well, yeah. ma- maybe this is part of the reason yeah. why. The guys uh, change their mind. It's not very common, which ironically, I mean, what? I feel like one of the most recent times this happened was with McDaniel's boss, Bill Belichick, uh, when he did this with the Jets, seventeen or eighteen years ago. Is this what the NFL had in mind? Because didn't they kind of make? Some rule changes about yeah. this that you can't just go and hire coaches if they're still in the playoffs. And right. it was just like, you know, rumored that Patricia was going to there and he was going well, to the right. And, and that's it's funny to me how, like, the Patricia, Matt Patricia, the Patriots defensive coordinator, that went off without a hitch. Like, yeah. the Lions announced that he went to Detroit, he's going to be there with the Lions. And uh, the, the GM in Detroit is an old Patriots guy, but then. 
Uh, McDaniels is the exact opposite of that. But as far as I understand it, and I know we've gotten a ton of questions about it, that's why I'm leading the show with it. As far as I understand it for the time being, Matt Eberflus is probably going to stay in Indianapolis regardless. I think that unless something happens here with uh, Rod Marinelli, you know, as a defensive coordinator, if he were to suddenly have a change of heart, retire, or they make a move, I think Eberflus is clearly – now, to me, it sounds like just talking to some people that Eberflus could get out of his contract there in Indianapolis. I mean – If that's the case. Yeah, but still, but you'd coordinate, yeah. Yeah, but, but you, would, you, know, you would have to – you would have to give him. I mean, he obviously wants to be a defensive coordinator. So if you were to, if he were to come back here, you would have to make him the defensive coordinator. You've got to believe that the Colts would honor would honor that situation if he wanted to leave. If he wanted, out. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, they would. And and it's interesting. And I'm, you brought this up before we came on the air. I wasn't even here for it. You guys can speak on it better than I could. But it's at least somewhat reminiscent of when Wade Jason Phillips. Garrett yeah. and Wade Phillips started yeah. their tenure together here, which, I mean, that worked out fairly well for the Cowboys, yeah. I would say. I mean, Wade Phillips had a – at least the beginning of his tenure was successful, had good offenses under Jason Garrett, and then they obviously named him head coach when it went south for Wade. So I guess I guess it can work, but it just sounds awkward to, yeah. you know – well, Little, we're bringing you on as our head coach, but guess what? We've already made most of your hires for you. I think it's the only difference is that the, the, the new coach at the Colts is going to be a guy that, you know, he knows the situation is, is unique and knows that a lot, of, like Brian said, a lot of these guys have already been hired. So yeah. I don't think you're going to come in and Parcells like and be like, no, no way. You're not my coordinator. You know, now maybe it's a different scheme fit than, than he wants. And, you know, th that could be something to that factors in this, but I don't think for the most part, I don't think those guys that are hired are going to be left out by some new coach that comes in and moving people around. I mean, I think that's probably going to be the decision they make to hire is you understand what we've got here. You want to be the head coach. Okay. Yeah, actually I made agree. pretty two important, actually three important hires because if McDaniels was going to call his own plays, then they probably were, well, they were going to have an offensive coordinator in title. I don't. Mm -hmm. But they hired Eberflus as the defensive coordinator. They hired both their offense and defensive line coaches. Now that as you look at your staff, those are important, very important hires. So you know if you're a, if you're a guy, for example, if they they're going to interview or they have interviewed get the guy named Dave Tube from uh, Tube, I think T O U B. I'm going to say how do you, Kansas City. How do you spell that? Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he's a special teams coach. But he's been – he was with Andy Reid everywhere Andy Reid's been. He was with him in Philly for a long time. Then he went to Chicago, away from Andy, then came back with him to Kansas City. You know, if you look at some of those guys, maybe a special teams coach, and maybe has a little bit more time to kind of look at staffs around the league, you know, in your preparation stuff. If you're getting ready for a head coaching job, maybe you have some guys in mind you'd like to hire. You know, maybe you have that opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to – I like this guy at uh, I like that guy at Buffalo. I like that guy at Baltimore. I like this, you know, that guy. And you know, depending on like I say, th those the, I think they understand now going into the second round of these interviews, you know, the second round at least for taking the job, would you be willing to take on these coaches? And if they say no, then the Colts are going to have to make a decision there to either pay Eberflus and them, those guys off or 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 move on to another head coach. Which and it's it's easy for us to sit here now and say, well, you know, Eberflus is locked in with the Colts, yada yada. But what this this news is twelve hours old, fifteen hours old. I mean, 
I think some things are going to change here. And I know another another thing that's been brought up is that Chris Richard, who was in the building for right. he's here with the Cowboys. I assume that means he signed his contract. I saw him each lunch. He was chowing down 10 feet away from us yesterday. So yeah. um, but he was he was in the he was at least named as a potential candidate there in Indianapolis, which if the Colts wanted to look at him that the rule is that for head coaching vacancy, you don't have to seek you don't permission. Have to, you don't have to seek permission at all. And he interviewed for the job, as you said. So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's clearly a candidate if they want to bring him back. I want to, this is purely hypothetical, not trying to break any news here, but like theoretically the Colts could hire Chris Richard to be their head coach, opening up a vacancy on the Cowboys staff, which Matt Eberflus could then potentially return to if, if uh, the Colts didn't want to keep Eberflus in his contract or if they were okay with letting him leave. So I guess my point is that it's a very fluid situation. It's very, very interesting. I would imagine my guess and my gut feeling is that it's not going to affect the Cowboys in the long term. Though. I think that, I think Jerry and, the, and Steven made the decision that Eberflus, that they were moving on from that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I guess it would be really weird if they come back now and say, you know what, I think Rod Marinelli is going to retire. Yeah. I mean – he decides to retire with two hands on his back. Like, sure. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see that happen. I don't think this is really going to affect it. It's interesting, but I don't know if it affects the. Cowboys Wait, all right, one last thing, and then we can move on because I, I do, I have something for you, Amber. Just in case. <laughs> I was kind of wondering I, which I'm way keeping, you were going. Well, here. you guys know more about how this whole no, I didn't, coaching changes work. So. I didn't forget. I one more thing though, which is just that you know, you kind of. The mold is kind of set for you, and then the whole thing changes. Do you think this could prompt them to change how they feel about it? Maybe a month ago, they felt good with where it was with Rod Marinelli, but now you have a second chance to to address that. Maybe it changes your mind. I don't. Maybe they felt like they've got the right guy now in the building. I yes. I kind of lean that way myself. They have the guy that, and, and nothing against Matt Eberflus. No, but you know his. His, you know, he they, they leaned on him. Rod Marinelli did lean on him. I mean, you can watch the practices. You could see that. You could see, you know, who was calling the defenses and sending them in and stuff like that and practices and, and the games and stuff. But, you know, they, let's be honest. I feel like that Chris Richard is a better hire right now. Yep. They upgraded there, in my opinion, they did. As the you got to, yeah, as a, as a coordinator in waiting. Yeah, as a potential defensive coordinator. Give me the guy that, that's had success in this league. Give me the guy I know it's coaching the secondary. Give me the guy that I think everybody really respects. And again, I'm, I, I'm not slamming Eberflus no. here. Eberflus made a decision on his own. He he did. He he said, you know what? They didn't allow me to do this. I'm going to go and leave. You know, and he, he had a job lined up. Not to his fault, but I. You know what? Count me in as a guy that says, you know what? Check that box for got better. I I agree, and more so than worrying about how I could get Eberflus back in the building, I'd yeah. be more worried about keeping yeah. Chris Richard in. Yeah. Well, maybe you know if you give him players that he's familiar with, you know that might help. Yeah, yeah. So, and we Got can any? we can get into that because I want to talk I want to talk some about that with the employer over there. But Amber, uh, and I, I mean I didn't want to lead the show with this because it's it's ancient history at this point. But uh, there was a football game played on on Sunday night. There sure was. Well, you were you were mad. <laughs> following you on Twitter, you were mad about. That's, I wanted to. I wanted to give you a platform because I think uh, we know we know how spicy you can get on the microphone from time to time, and I just wanted to hear what you had to say See about it. See the website, somewhatscowboys.com? It's not up there anymore. Oh, oh no! What did you do? <laughs> oh, just just two pictures split together. Oh boy! Here's, here's Ertz and here's Dez. 
Mm. Well, that whole catch thing, I mean, honestly, it is. It was pretty similar, but I still find the difference in it. And I don't think it was exactly the same. And I wasn't agreeing with people kind of bringing it all back up again. I do agree that the league, <laughs> your face, oh. the league does need to improve that whole calling thing and make sure that wow. they are more consistent with the whole calling of what is a catch and what isn't. I'm pleasantly surprised to hear you say that because I thought I was the only person in Cowboys Nation who really I don't I don't see those situations as being that similar. That's when it happened in front of you that day, did it look like he was making a football move? Des? Yeah. Honestly. You and I were standing and I almost and, turned and, and, and slugged you when you wanted you said, to punch him. Here's yeah. here's the thing. When you're like, oh I don't see a football move. We've there. we've all seen that play in slow motion so many times yeah. that it looks like second nature. But he's the, going for the goal line with in, that ball. In the bang bang live action pace of the moment, I don't think you can clearly say that. I think, and that is the why. The Pittsburgh call was a worse one. Yes, in my opinion. I agree. The, the Jesse James you know, one, it was a wor far worse call than Dez. The thing, the thing that screwed Dez is that he went up in the air. So you go up in the air, you have to reestablish yourself as a runner. And you could prove, be like Terrence and just wait for him to come down. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he did anything <laughs> wrong. He got screwed. I know that. But he goes up in the air, so you have to reestablish yourself in the field of play and then reestablish that you're running with the ball as opposed to falling. I mean, you know, as opposed to you lost your balance and you're just trying to do what you can. Zach Ertz never left the ground. He caught the ball and just ran straight. It was never in doubt that he was in control of the ball and moving forward. The only thing I'll argue with you on the Dez is that Dez did change the change hands with yeah. the ball. I okay. mean, it's like catch. Again, Switch, Try, trying to get lunch. to the yeah, yeah. How many times have you watched that play just very slowly to yeah. see all that? Oh, I like, saw it happen I'm ten glad. feet in front of me, yeah. and you just ten and feet I, in front of you, you knew immediately all that stuff happened. That's what I told like, you, and you're like, "Oh, that's not a catch." And that's not, I told you, I wanted, I got violent with not you. to be a jerk, but one of us was right, and one of us. Oh no, wrong, you! And, so. But you know what? The official who was making the call marked the ball. Yeah, he marked the spot. Oh, absolutely. He where Des hit the ground, he marked that spot. So I'm going on. I'm watching official ten feet from me make the call, and then I'm watching the Super Bowl referee Gene Sirstar. I'm watching him go under the hood, and then I'm watching him go back to the middle of the field where the Cowboys had the ball on fourth down, and that's when I'm like going, Hellman's right. The other thing that really I think worked in Zach Ertz's favor. And that's why that's what makes the Jesse James saw call so stupid is that, that one. He crossed the plane of the goal line. No doubt. He I mean, the play should be I, dead the minute the ball crosses. Just like if a running back dives over the goal line from five yards out, plays dead the minute he puts the ball over the line. It should yeah. be the same thing. I, I did not want the Eagles to win for obvious reasons. I just sure. wanted to keep it at zero. Um but I, I'm glad that they that was the right call. Even though you can go back and say, "Oh, well, what about the Des? Well, what about Butch Johnson then? If we were going to take it back, That's I mean, Butch way, way I'm just saying that was not a, a, a touchdown catch either. So I mean, I I didn't yeah, think Clements I didn't think Clements catch was that a touchdown. One, yeah, I didn't think that was a touchdown. Yeah, no, that I think that one. The ball was clearly moving around there, and his foot hits out of bounds. I, you know, I, I, that that's the that's the bigger problems I have. But I'll tell you this: as soon as the ball for Ertz, as soon as it hit the ground and went up, I said no catch. I said no catch. Yeah, and I mean that that's to me that's if, if you're going to call Des Bryant that way, ball going down, it's no catch. Okay, forget about the Des Bryant situation. When you see that specific play of Ertz, would you have called that a catch? No. Uh, uh he's going. He's but but see the thing about it was they're they're saying that he was making a football move. Yeah, 
You know, and, my, and it's the same thing that Des was doing. But you're you're saying because he went vertical, I think it's easier to establish that Ertz was a runner as opposed to Des, which he he came down and planted off. It's an athlete. It was one of the most athletic plays I've seen. Other it, the best athletic play I thought of the year was was uh, Byron Jones throwing the ball back underneath. Yeah, himself. that was incredible. But but as far as Des, he comes down and he's lunge. I mean, he's lunging. He's his foot's down and he's pushing off his foot to get to the end zone. Before we get too far in the weeds, I should say for the like, I, Des should have been a catch. Jesse James should have been a catch. Sure, Ertz should have yeah. been a catch. They yeah. all. So you want to get better. You want to improve. The, you wanna the rule. The rule needs to get it. better. Well, and hopefully, right. No. I, yeah. Amber said that at the top before yeah. we went off in the weeds. It's. Yeah. Hopefully the the competition committee is going to meet this February like they always do. And now that it it has continued to happen, you know, you could look at the Dez thing and say, well, you know, it's a once in a lifetime play. Clearly not. It's about a two or three times every season play. You know what bothers me though? Well, let's keep going. I got one more thing about the Dez catch that's you kind of breaking a minute. I know too. you got another point on that. No, I just saying every time the ball moves, it's not a catch. That's what I. That's that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean that it, that that's the way now we've been trained. If the ball is moving and you don't have control over it, it's not a catch. And Sterator said on the sound effects, you know, the behind the scenes episode of the Super Bowl that, and we're, I'm talking about Clement right now, yeah. not Ertz, but you know, he said there was movement, but it didn't look like a loss of control to him. Yeah. Which, at this point, I feel like you need an extra degree to determine the rule, which yeah. is how you know it's messed up. Yeah, uh, there's needs there's to be fixed. There's one thing about the Des play that game that still bothers me more than anything that the officials really messed up. That fourth down, that ball, the clock was running. Des catches the ball. They call it a catch. It's on the one yard line. The clock is moving from about 450 to 425. Finally, they throw a flag. They throw the challenge flag. They look at it and they say incomplete pass. If that ball was incomplete, then the clock should have been back to 455. It wasn't. It never was reset. It goes down and then it ends up being where the Cowboys run out of time by about 25 seconds. Like they could have they could have had to punt and at least at least do something to try to get the ball back. So that one still bothers me there. 30 seconds. It's amazing how easy it is to get back into hashtag yeah. Des caught, Des caught it. I mean, that's yes. how you know it's a iconic moment. Well, unfortunately, not a good one for the Cowboys. Anyway, uh, we're going to take our first break. We'll get back. We can talk more Super Bowl, uh, as well as some, some things I want to talk about in regard to free agency and just what is uh, awaiting the Cowboys in the next month or so. We'll be right back. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the Internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr. Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together, like Texas in football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr. Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically, 
we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Back to the break. Welcome back to Cowboys Break and special shout out to the tour group coming through the hallway at the star right now. Uh, so we were talking, we we're talking Super Bowl, which I'm always torn between how much we should, you know, it's the biggest game of the year. There's stuff you can learn and impart and debate, but it's also the Eagles first championship. So I'm, I'm always mindful of uh, how much people want to hear about that, but I, it's always it's always interesting between you know we just spent ten minutes on on the the, the controversial catches uh, we can talk about coaching decisions but there's so much you can take from that and and impart it onto your team or the team that you cover obviously the Cowboys in this case so I wanted to go around the table if you had to pick one thing that stood out to you that you'll take from that game I want to know what it was and Amber I'll start with you since we were so rude to you at the top of the show. Okay, how many starting guys did they lose? A lot. Yeah. Exactly. A lot. Exactly. So my biggest problem here is watching this team that is able to get to the postseason, win the Super Bowl, despite the fact that they have lost a lot of their main guys. Yeah. And then you watch our team. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you can take from that and apply it to our team because right now it sounds like all the coaching decisions and all that have pretty much been made. But... Don't tell me you lose a player, a key guy, and then everything's done, gone to the ground, yeah. to the floor. That's yeah. BS. No, yeah. you made the adjustment and you need to figure out how to do that. And how do, how were they so successful? Yeah. You know, and I, I hate the Eagles. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm sure you guys do too. <laughs> You're ready. You're going there Thursday but, night for but, an opening game. <laughs> most likely. Yeah. But I'll give it to them. I mean, they, yes, I'll admit, it was a good game. It, it was entertaining, I would say, to Very, watch. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick Foles, great job. You have to applaud what he did. Right. And that one play where Tom Brady goes off, hands off the ball, runs yeah. off to the side, yeah. <laughs> doesn't catch the ball, and then – can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we got you. Oh, my – I guess my thing is your headphones cut out. Anyways, so if you hear me, you're fine. Uh, then Nick Foles goes in and does the same play, but is successful at it. Yeah. So that was pretty entertaining for me to watch. But aside from that, just to, uh, I guess the play calling, the taking risk, making ballsy moves, and being able to adjust and do what you need to do in order to success to succeed. I think I think about you when I think about that because uh, you said that during the year. You know, Jay, you know, everybody in football loves to say next man up. It didn't work here. No. You know, just plugging the next guy and trying to do the same thing with him did not work. And that my my argument there would be from an outsider's perspective, it certainly looked like the Eagles were way better at yeah. adjusting. I mean, obviously the next guy's gotta step up, but I would argue that they were not doing the same things with all of those replacement players that they would have otherwise. Yeah. You know, that that was a big thing for me. 
This is going to, Brian, this is going to sound familiar probably from this seat in this chair. But I, w- I do want to mention this. And a lot of people have said, well, the Eagles lost their quarterback and they still went out and, and were successful and obviously won a Super Bowl. I mean, let's not forget the Cowboys did the same thing. The Cow- now, they didn't win the Super Bowl, obviously. But the Cowboys did lose a very key player last year and put a rookie in. And did, I mean, they have done similar things, too. I know it's not the same. And that last year, they didn't. Last year, the Atlanta game absolutely killed them and ended up being the reason why they didn't make the playoffs. But um, I, I think it's kind of people do forget that the Cowboys have done some of these things with backup players as well, not to the Eagles level, and they got to give Philly and their coach. And I mean, not just Dak, but we all had so much confidence in Chaz Green because of how well he played in Tyron Smith's place. Yeah. Uh, they Their last playoff run before 2016 was without Sean Lee. Anthony Hitchens stepped in and not no, didn't make a Pro Bowl, but they clearly did not fall off in the same manner without Sean Lee in 2014. I don't think that's a good comparison. Which one? Nick's comparison to when they lost Romo and then you got a rookie now stepping in. Yeah, they were successful, but you had an offensive line that was pretty good. And then you get a, the running back, which was definitely an upgrade from the ones they had. So now you're having these two rookies kind of protected and being able to play within like a very comfortable surrounding where they are able to succeed but then again you lose a guy like tyron smith oh it goes to hell you lose ezekiel alien that's even worse yeah <laughs> true story yeah no i, I don't Which, disagree yeah, with it at all. You, you've been nodding along brian what do you got no i i tell you what i think everybody's made some really good points about that i think what i learned is how important a game day manager is as a head coach you know i think that's in you know when you look at how the game played out there you know i always get on garrett about this I don't always feel like he knows the condition of his team as the game is going along. I don't think he makes decisions as the game is going along in, in, in the way of his team is. I think Doug Peterson clearly knew what was going on in that football game. I think Garrett would have gone for it on fourth and one at the goal line. I think he would have done that. But I don't think he would have gone for it at midfield there, you know, with three, four minutes left in the game and holding some timeouts. Yeah, I'm pulling, I, don't, I think I'm he would have punted. And I think that he would have looked at that situation and said – you know what, well, let's punt it and hold. Well, you haven't held them all game. Why are you punting the football right there? Why are you giving your team no chance to win the game? Fourth and one at their own 45 with 539 to play. And how many timeouts he had? I think he had three. I have no confidence at all that Jason Garrett would have made the same decision. No, and that's what I'm saying. And I think it's a no-brainer, yeah. in all honesty. I don't think there's – go. I mean, if you're going against uh, – Deshaun Kaiser, yeah. sure, maybe you punt, but you're going against Tom Brady. The, the way the game was going, and this is this is why I'm critical of Garrett as a game day manager, is because again, you've got to know that your defense wasn't stopping them. You know, Tom Brady is gonna he's gonna get that ball, he's gonna chew up the clock, he's gonna make you use all your timeouts, and he's liable to score. He's liable to get a field goal out of it or something out of it. But Doug Peterson made the decision right there, though. He goes, I'm not gonna get the ball back if I and it set him up. It set him up. His defense all game long didn't play till the very end. And I think someone came up with a stat. I talked about it yesterday on our show. Eagles hadn't given up a haven't given up a, a point in the last two minutes of a game in 19 games, I believe it was. I stole that from yeah. one of the Philly writers uh, in the final two minutes of yeah. all 19 games. Final two minutes of the game, they didn't give up a single point. See, on. that's what you. That's what that's you insane. know. Yeah. And you know what? Even with that in mind, even even Doug Peterson knowing that. He still went for it on fourth down because he knew his defense couldn't make a stop. 
And I mean, and but eventually, yeah, they got the strip sack, but the game was already kind of going the way they, you know, the way it was. And I, I just that that's the, that's the, the I think Jason Garrett from Monday to Saturday's good. Sunday, not so good. That's my problem with him. Yeah. You know, I help, help me help me get be the difference maker in a game. Be the guy that's going to be the you're the reason why we won today. Not the reason why that we're, you know, that it's always close and all. I mean, how many close games has he lost? See, that's that that's what we I did that, that my, for a reason. Yeah. My my take <laughs> from all this, my take from all this is know the condition of your team. Know what it takes to be the difference in the game that day. That's what I learned. Which that's well, that's an interesting point because you can look at the rest of this. I mean, you can sign free agents. You can draft players who improve the depth of your team. You can hope for better injury luck. Um, I I think, and that's you know, I feel like people look at the Super Bowl as like this this barometer. Like, oh, well, the Eagles are they're clear they're so far up here, and we're so down far down here. I don't I don't know that I buy that. Just I mean, the Eagles were seven and nine last year. They had. Uh, they didn't even have that great of a draft class. They did some really aggressive things on the other front, in all honesty. And, we can, and, 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 and trades. We can talk about that if y'all want. I mean, they go get Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. They yeah. What I think is a genius trade for Timmy Jernigan. Uh, even, you know, they gave up a fourth-round pick for Jay Ajayi, which I sit here in hindsight. I sit here in that's hindsight. The one. I mean, maybe, maybe the Darby. Well, Darby. That's a good get, too, the corner. I, which I, I think I mean, that's a team that was struggling at cornerbacks play. It's fascinating. The Eagles are going to pick 32nd overall in the draft, and then they're not going to pick again until, I believe, the late in the fourth round because they have, they have two fourth-round picks, but they gave up. A, they don't have a second because of Carson Wentz. They don't have a third because of Ronald Darby. They don't have a fourth because of Jay Ajayi. But didn't they get don't a third? Like didn't they get a third back because, or did they get a fourth back because of the Jernigan trade? They got they uh, flopped well, spots. They got their third back in last year's draft. Oh, they it was last used year's that draft. pick, but oh. they have a fourth because of okay. the Sam Bradford trade. Right. Which really, if everything I just told you tells you anything, it's that Howie Roseman is an aggressive dude when it comes to draft picks. Yeah. Um, That's where I think the Cowboys really missed the boat the most last year is. Everybody knew that Zeke was going to get suspended at some point. The Eagles didn't even, they got Jay Ajayi just because they thought he could help their team and take him over the top. And they did. I mean, they have 17 running backs. Yeah. They use them all. The Cowboys knew they were going to need another running back, and they just said, we'll go with next man up. And that's, the, I mean, that's where Philly, I think, out GM'd the, the Cowboys in that. That's And I was about to say, I mean, maybe the Cowboys didn't, you know, maybe the Dolphins weren't making it readily known that Jay Ajayi was available. Maybe well, not. Well, call them. Yeah, yeah. Man, do do some legworks. I mean, that's if I told you that you that we don't know right now because the comp picks haven't been announced, but the Cowboys probably won't pick in the fourth round until one twenty something. If I had to guess, would you rather have pick one twenty five or have had Jay Ajayi for the six weeks that Zeke wasn't there? I, and that's I wrote a column about it earlier this week. Is that in the grand scheme of things, I really do agree with the way the Cowboys handle things. I don't think you need to go out handing 60 to $80 million to free agents. That's why, you know, we talked about Jarvis Landry last week. I am i don't care about Jarvis Landry. I'm not interested in that. But you look at some of the things the Eagles do, like we, we just talked about. They traded away their third uh, for Timmy Jernigan and Baltimore's third. So they moved 20 spots down in the draft. Right. 
to get a Pro Bowl caliber defensive tackle. He was only on a one-year deal. So they ended up extending him, but even if he hadn't been good, whatever. They extended Jeffrey too. Yeah, and that's they they made these calculated aggressive moves that worked out for him. They got Jeffrey for fourteen million dollars. They extended him for fifty. They got Jernigan for a third round pick. They extended him for forty five. But if those guys hadn't been good, they could have walked away for for no big deal at all. That's Tory Smith. They got for five million dollars. Well, maybe the best move they made was going to get their their old quarterback Nick Foles back. Yeah. I've, that that was the probably their best move right there. I mean, Even, how could you argue after what happened the last month of the season? Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, trust me, I was throwing dirt on the guy. I really, I Doug Peterson did a great job with him, really did. And to, you know, the the, the, the that week seventeen game against the Cowboys looked awful, and you're thinking, how are they going to do this? They figured it out. They fa- they figured out something in the Atlanta game. It took a week off, and they figured it out. Yeah. You know, again, that goes back to coaching. Can you find a way to take your players and give them a chance? That's what Ambar was asking about. She's like, how does how do backup players here just go to hell? You know, basically, you know, how does the whole how does the whole game plan get wrecked if one or two guys are gone? You know, I truly believe even if they get better players, let's say even in the draft, if even if you're great, if you're still not being placed in the best position possible in good situations, you're still not going to be able to succeed. You're going to be limited. Right. Yeah. And this is what I truly believe is wrong with this team right now. You can get great players, and yeah, they can do so much for you. And Dak and Zeke were great 2016, mm-hmm. but other teams didn't have them figured out. Yeah. And it only took a whole year to figure them out, and they, they did. You saw it this year. So again... Yeah, great players on the field. It's only going to get you so far if you don't get if, to place them in better position. That's something that I we talked about a few weeks ago, I guess, uh, but that several players did tell me towards the end of the season, this season, that they felt that they weren't pl- being placed in their best position. Yeah. So you got to know your player. You got to know how you're going to play them and put them in a good spot to be successful. And I would guess that's why we've, I'm not guessing, I know, that's why we've heard so much talk about the scheme and being DAC friendly. Uh, And the interesting thing for me is, you know, we're just now starting that process here because of the Cowboys' own hiring practices. So a little, I mean, a little bit delayed in terms of the process of the way all this works. You typically have those types of meetings within two or three weeks of the season being over. Cowboys obviously waited to fill out their staff. Well, you know, and let's let's also too. We talk about this coaching staff, and I'll I'll put it on the players though too a little bit. Are the players, and this is just this is Brian Broadus talking. This is not something I'm learned or talking to people, but and I, it's just my experience. Are the players capable of taking your coaching though? Are the players smart enough? And I'm not talking about book smart. I'm talking about are the players smart enough? To, apply, to take whatever they learn in the classroom and apply it on the field? Or are the coaching staff limited in what they can do because the players are not capable of retaining the information they're being taught or being or that you can't put them in positions because it's, there's two sides. I guarantee you something will happen here. If Jason Garrett and his staff get let out next year, we will hear some talk. We're hearing the players talk right now. Scheme sucks. You know, we're predictable. Maybe they have to be predictable because the players aren't mentally capable enough to executing a, a more elaborate game plan. I completely buy that that's possible. I, I agree. I feel like we're talking about one position. 
Oh, I'm just no. I'm no, saying. No, I'm no, just no. I'm mean, saying I in general because just, no, because they're, they're on, I agree with Nick. Because you look at the, what the young corners have done. They looked like they were capable. The young. I mean, they look capable. You throw a lot at them, you know. But it might be. It might be some positions. You know, it might have been the linebacker spot with Jalen. You know, and nothing against you. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not calling these guys dumb. I'm just saying football smart. And I'm not talking about football smart of getting out of bounds to save time. I'm talking about are you capable of going into a classroom, looking at the board, watching tape, studying, and having an elaborate game plan? Why do you think, again, the Patriots have success? They plug guys in because these guys are capable of doing everything the quarterback asks them to right. do. I. But I think – sorry, Dave. No, I ahead. just think – Yes, uh, I mean, that makes sense what you're saying. I think it's a two-way street here. You have to look at, out of the group, how many guys are being unsuccessful, let's say. Because not everybody is going to be dumb. So you get if everybody's kind of failing mostly, then it has to be the teacher and the way they're teaching things. That's fair. It, but it also, though, if they're, if they're failing to teach it correctly, I, I totally understand what you're saying there. But if you're walking out there and things look vanilla and not, you know, not any uh, – you know, elaborate at all the way it's being run or attacked. Mm-hmm. I th- that would be that would be something that I would I would look at first. I would say, okay, are our players capable of doing the things we're asking them to do? That's your coaching right there. I'm just playing the flip side of it because yeah. you know you did a good job of throwing dirt. And I threw dirt on the on the coaching staff, but also I think you have to look at the players. So I really there do. Are certain guys I, I've sure. been on teams. I've been on teams where the players weren't smart enough to execute the game plans. I think what you're saying is totally fair and feasible. I hope you're wrong because I've heard way too much talk about having so many of the right kind of guys for that. To is be the ended. right kind of guy just the decision maker on the field that's not going to no. go out and get hammered and get in trouble and all that stuff? I think well, we we had a long conversation about that in the preseason about what right kind of guy means. And to me, right kind of guy means coachable to a degree and smart enough to figure some things out to a degree that, I mean, that falls in line with what I think of when I hear Jason Garrett talk about that. Are there more, most are the the right kind of guys mainly on offense or defense on this team? You think? I think there's a pretty good mix. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's top. I don't think it's too heavy one side or the other. Okay. But I, I mean, I, we can all think of some examples of what you're talking about. I think that's (laughs) fair too. Uh, anyway, we keep going long. I guess that's a good sign of the mm-hmm. types of conversations we're having. Uh, we're going to take our final break and back we'll be up, back with more know. Cowboys break. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it, and your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas based Jack Black, is the number one best selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit getjackblack.com slash cowboys to get $10 off your first order of $50 or more. Jack Black, look good, smell good, feel good. Official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. 
I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Back. To the break. Back for the last segment of today's Cowboys break. Nick, you look like you've got something you want to read to us. Here we go. We're straight from the card. All right. A true Cowboy loves his freedom. Cowboys have had a lot of freedom in the last month or so. Tommy John gives you also freedom where it counts. It's contour pads that nestles you in fabrics you can barely feel. Shop exclusive Cowboy underwear at TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. You get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. That's important. You want to make sure you get the freedom where it counts. Very true, Amber. Very true. I'm going to let you. I Next time I host, I'm going to let you do the read. <laughs> so uh, okay. do we all feel better? I felt like that was a pretty that was a pretty big vent session. You know what? This team isn't a bad football team. And that when you listen to it, and it's easy to say that. It's not a good football team. It wasn't a good team last year. But it's not a bad football team, and I think that might be what's frustrating with a lot of Cowboy fans. I think people are frustrated the fact that Dallas did have some key injuries and they didn't really they didn't. overcome them. They didn't like what the Eagles did. If the Eagles had won the Super Bowl of being healthy the whole entire year, yeah, I, I trust me, in 96 in Green Bay, we were healthy the whole year, basically, and won the Super Bowl. That's what you have to do. You need health as you're going along. But they lost. They lost their quarterback. They lost their left tackle. They left their starting Mike Linebacker. But we lose our starting left tackle. We lose our Mike line, our one of our linebackers. Like Amber said, the team goes to hell. Yep. You get all of the Eagles starters back. Let's say they're all back in, in the you know in week one. The Cowboys week one. Let's say they play that game Thursday night. The first twenty two players, the Cowboys, in my opinion, will have better football players and better talent. But that's where the issue is: is the Eagles twice. are better from one to fifty three. You beat them twice in two thousand sixteen. That's I and I talked about that. Is I mean. Which I remember having conversations at training camp about how deep we thought this roster was. It's hard to argue that that's true right now. It is, and and meanwhile, yeah, the Eagles won with their depth. They right. won. I mean, yeah. their fifth round pick steps in at left tackle, and I mean, it definitely wasn't pretty. But you got and your, the job and your third round pick didn't play as well as he played the year before. Yeah. See, that's the thing about it with you know with Chaz Green. And, and the right. mistake, and I said this on our show yesterday, the mistake the Cowboys made yesterday was trying to get their best five out there. And I know that sounds crazy, folks. I'm sorry. I, you know, usually try and get your best five out there. But they should have left Chaz Green at left tackle. They shouldn't have allowed Chaz Green to play left guard. They should have just said, let's develop him as a tackle. With, with Tyron Smith's back being balky the way it is, let's just use him as a left tackle only and find somebody to play left guard. Yeah. I mean, and they, they, I think they killed his growth by playing him the whole preseason at guard. And then he gets hurt for a, a little spell, and he has to sit out some practices. That, 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 to me, not only did they misevaluate 
you know, his capability in the Atlanta game, but I think they hurt his growth as a tackle by playing him at guard. Is, has Joe Looney ever hurt, uh, let this team down? I don't think so. Every I mean, time Joe Looney's ever played, it's, it's not pretty, but it's not, it's not terrible either. And I never saw Joe Looney really play in left guard in practices yeah. at training yeah. camp. He was always the center, mm-hmm. always the center. You know, and I, 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 I think if they, they they look back on this, if it's just really self evaluation here, you know what went wrong. If you can't evaluate your own team, you're you're doomed to fail. And if they if they don't evaluate the problems that they had last year, that if they don't try and address the guard situation in the draft or address the linebacker situation or get a receiver that can separate, these are things we talk about all the time on our on our Periscope stuff. Probably talk about it today. Yeah. I mean, if they don't evaluate their team the right way, then all these coaches need to go. Well, and I agree with you for one, but I think, and I think that's the big thing that you deal with here. You know, we talk about interaction with fans and the frustration around this team right now. Typically, when you have a disappointing season, uh, there's some sort of of dynamic change. nine and seven disappointing that's funny well okay. I, I, i'm saying disappoint they yeah. had a winning record sure yeah, yeah. uh the last well, game made sure that at the end yeah, of the year exactly let's yeah. let's not yeah. get ourselves about he what would that not he, was. he wanted nothing to do with eight and eight and on top of that <laughs> on top of that and even even if all right let's say that the let's say the ninth win was a lot more legitimate than it actually was the way the season played out between the drama and the losing 92 to 22 over the course of three games it certainly didn't feel like even eight and eight, honestly. And I think most people would agree. It was a really disjointed season the way it went. Point being, after a season like that, you're typically in line for some type of change, whether it's an overhaul of the front front office and the coaching staff, or you know, coming off of 2015, you get a you get a top five pick and a chance to really restock. Or you're on the treadmill of mediocrity, which and I well, I think that's what frustrates people is that this season sucked and most fans don't see a way forward that will be drastically different. I guess my point as the counterpoint to that, if you're trying looking for a reason to feel optimistic, it's you're just talking about self-evaluation. I thought that was one of the few big takeaways that I really did have from the senior bowl is that you've brought in enough voices here where I do think there will be some changes made within the structure of the team just because there's enough new people here. Whether that's Chris Richard's input on the back end of the defense, we've already, you know, the rumor of Byron Jones being moved to corner has been beaten into the ground, even though there's nothing to substantiate it at all. I'll see that OTA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've got a new receivers coach. You've got a new offensive line coach. A new receivers coach whose his label is that he is a really, really good teacher. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. That's yeah. which. Hey, it's up to you whether you choose you want to buy all that stuff. But eight out of the eight to ten out of the twenty people who comprise the important parts of the coaching staff. So, Kellen Moore, half of it. You didn't have to. You didn't have to. Bring you know where Kellen Moore is going to come in. He's going to be the guy that's going to be able. Dak's going to be able to walk in. I said this yesterday too. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but I, th- I do believe it. He's going to be able. This is where Dak is going to be able to walk into the office and close the door and say, "Hey, listen, Kellen, we need to do this differently. We need to do this differently." And then Kellen is going to be the 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 messenger for in the in the staff meeting. You know, when they when they sit down as a staff and Jason Garrett at the table, Kellen, tell us about what's going on in your room. Well, Dak's really kind of upset about this. Need to think about this. See, sometimes as a player, you don't want to go into the head coach's office. You don't want to go into the offensive or defensive coordinator's office. 
You know, you, you, you go to the guy that you, you're with every day. And I think that's where Kellen Moore, it's going to be a friendly face for Dak Prescott. Is he going to develop him? No, he's not. Can he help him? Yes, he can. I think got, the quarterback coaches are already on this roster. If you think about it, Linehan, watch practice every day. Garrett, yeah. Yeah. It's not so much really Garrett. It's Linehan. When, when they're running scout team stuff, this is just because of our proximity where our offices are. You can look out the window and see when they're running when they're running defensive stuff. Linehan has got the quarterbacks at the other end of the field. They're standing down there doing what they need to do. Which I'm gonna well, I'm gonna attempt to take y'all's two points. Which that kind of illustrates what I'm saying is you can be cynical all you want, and you know nothing's changed. Not enough has changed. You need some type of overhaul to get this team where it wants to be. To Nick's point, I don't think this is a bad team. I don't think they're a good team, but I certainly don't think they're terrible. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They finished 7-9. and nine. They got to seven wins in a meaningless game against the Cowboys. So you could say they should have been 6-10 and 10 the same way. Sure. They self-evaluated. They went and aggressively fixed a few of the things they needed to fix, which is, I mean. They hit on some, they hit on some moves. Some, That's what you got to well, do. And some, some things need to happen here. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the cow, I, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that the Cowboys can do what they did last year, i.e. sit back, let your team get worse in free agency, and try to fix it through the draft. That's not going to work. A, there's a page in the, in the media guide, if you go look at it, on the, the free, all the, the history of the free agency. Mm-hmm. About every three to four years is a big year. Now, Stephen will sit here and say, well, you know, we don't do a lot. We build through the draft. And that will always say the same. Last year was really nothing. The year before, nothing. And they missed on a couple. year before wasn't much. But go back three or four years, they'll have a big splash years because they know that they need it. And I think this year might be that. I, I don't – I mean, all it takes is one guy this. to make a splash. Yeah, let me ask you this, though. If, if you were sitting on another team in free agency and you got Lawrence – Irving and Anthony Hitchens all signed to your team. Would you think you had a pretty good year signed to free agents? Sure. Yeah. And yeah, that's absolutely. what they're going to have. That's to what do. they're going to do. Oh, and that's, 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 that's exactly what they're going to do. And then, and then, and they're going to extend Zach Martin. If any, if, if all four of those guys, you think Hitch is here? No, I, I mean, I'm safety <laughs> or Hitchens. Oh, I, I think they can draft a safety. No, I mean the safety. Nick is oh Nick that. Nick Earl Thomas Earl Thomas be a cowboy, I do I do think so I you know I, what? I, I, hey. would, I would like to see Earl Thomas I, the problem the problem I have with Earl Thomas is that it really shouldn't be a problem you're going to have to pay him more than ten million dollars a year you know and is that going to keep you I mean he's an older guy how's that contract going to look everybody and don't don't at me. Saying, "Oh, he's going to give you a hometown." As he ran over that as yeah, do, yeah. Don't give, don't at me to say he's going to yeah. give you a hometown discount. That is BS, as she would say. You know, he is he he's at the point in his career where he believes he should get paid. Start with Eric Berry money and go up. Yep, that's exactly what we're looking at, and that's why I, I don't even. And I love the player. I absolutely love the player, but I'm just saying the better chance you have of signing him. Or getting him. I mean, yeah, you could trade, but you're also, like you say, let him. Maybe you get him for a better deal. Maybe you do get him for a better deal if all of a sudden Seattle says, okay, we're kicking you to the curb and, he, and he's out. All right, now let's see how much you want to play for. That that That's where you get your cake and eat it. He did say, come get me. That doesn't mean just sign yeah. me. It means yeah. come. 
Yeah. Up come, there and get me. Come get me. Maybe. Hey, that would, I mean, I don't know that's feasible with the amount of money he could command, but that's the type of thing I'm talking about where, I mean. Did you give a second round pick for a one-year deal? Yeah. I would hope that if I'm giving up a second, it means he's going to agree to new to a new contract. Similar. Yeah. yeah you might trading, not. You're trading for 10, over oh, 10, 10.5. I would give up a third round pick for a one-year And year. if he makes the Pro Bowl second. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. I would do that. That's, Can you that's, do that? That's the type of thing I'm talking about. That's yeah. exactly the type of thing that the Eagles did. That's exactly the hey, this is what we need. This could bite it's us. Safety, but. the most important position, the, the biggest need here, Ambar. Safety? Safety. Yeah, that's one of my top ones. I've said okay, it. Okay, she wants to along. do it. On the defensive side of the She'll ball? She'll flip the pick. On the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, probably. What does number 19 overall look, you guys? Don't forget. You think that you have to give a one to get him? I wouldn't. If they're, 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 picking, they're picking right ahead of you. They're at 18. You're at 19. If that's what Seattle wanted, I wouldn't give it. Wait, oh, can I have? Oh, you guys always do these mock drafts. I know Dane did one. Yeah. It, it's like you kind of gloss over the. Maybe I'll talk about it. Oh, you would, 18. You, would, you would take. You would take. You, but Seattle's taking safeties. Like, didn't he have a safety for Seattle? I honestly don't. I thought it was Florida know. State safety. Maybe? Oh, oh, yeah. James. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, it's, that's the Chargers at 17. Oh, they're taking James. Yeah. Okay. Would you take James? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's my ideal first round pick. Yeah. Derwin James. I don't know if he'll be there. Safety or linebacker. You said safety, linebacker, second. Well, the thing, the way I see it is that the Cowboys have, to me, so many different needs right now that honestly, when it comes to the 19th spot, whoever is the best player at that spot, obviously within their needs you just go for that. What are you what are you most worried about your offense or your defense? That's tough. Um and I got a fix for you if you want to fix your offense. Right now, defense. Offensive line. But yeah, go draft a left guard. But see, okay, and get back to where you were in 2016 when you're running the football and helping the quarterback be friendly. You know, you know I love you know I love the draft. Like we're gonna do the draft show tomorrow. We're gonna talk about sure. ad nauseum. But to the point of the Eagles, there's even stuff you can do before you get to that point. I went and I went and looked some of this up. How about uh, impending free agent Andre Smith started eight games at tackle for Paul Alexander and the Cincinnati Bengals last year? He probably cost you 1.5 million to bring in here as the swing tackle. That's, That's the Alabama guy. Yes, yeah. the sixth overall pick. Yes, mm-hmm. doesn't that sound like something the Cowboys would do? Oh, a washed yeah. up former top ten pick or top first round pick. They want everybody to be a first round pick. How about you? The pay, Raiders used to do that. How about you pay him double what you paid Byron Bell to be your swing tackle? How about you go Jermon Bushrod started ten games at at left or right guard for the Dolphins before he hurt his foot and got sent to injured reserve. How about you pay him to be your left guard so you can draft somebody else that you need more? Okay. Which there's moves you can make to better this team. And that's my point. Have you made a move? Okay, so your best move at safety would be to trade for... I mean, if that were doable, sure. I don't know. Did you look up any other position other than the guard? Uh, Yeah. How about um, Connor Barwin? $4 million to be a rotational pass rusher. Had... 34 tackles and five sacks for the Eagles last year. I mean, sorry, not the Eagles, the Rams. Rams. Used to be an Eagle. Yeah. How about Nigel Bradham? Oh, it's a linebacker. I like that one. 88 tackles. Yeah. Two years, seven million. Oh, oh, he's, yeah, no what doubt. About, he's going to be looking for a payday coming off the Eagles because they're, hey. Okay, now, is, don't am, think is, everything, is she going to let you sign, is she going to let you sign him or are you going to sign uh, Anthony Hitchens? I will be shocked if Anthony Hitchens can be brought back here at a price that works, which I said the same thing about Terrence, Terrence Williams last year, so I'm not saying it's impossible. I feel like but they're going to get Kenny Vaccaro and not 
Earl Thomas. That's fine with me. I think uh, I think well, Vaccaro could probably command just, a better price than thanks for giving credit for what you just said. You wanted Vaccaro over him because of the price and the and the age and right. the well. What is he? Vaccaro was he's a 2013 pick. He's probably 27. Yeah, he's three years younger. It's all about price for me. But that's my point: is there's ways you can be aggressive to improve this roster without breaking the bank. That's what the Eagles did last year. Well, they, they got. They, you're right. They did the one year deal on the receivers. Yeah. Tory, did Tory Smith a one year deal too? It's a three year deal with two of those being club options. They can yeah. cut him with yeah. no. So that's what I'm saying they went one year one. See, the Cowboys do the same thing. Do you think Tory Smith's a bottom fishing? Isn't it? Isn't Tory Smith bottom fishing? No, because he his deal was worth fifteen million. They're going to wind up paying him five. They gave him a Henry Melton deal, if you remember yeah. back to that. It's not bottom fishing. It's it's bargain hunting, but it's not bottom fishing. Okay, so they their bargains they hit on, the Cowboys didn't. Is that the biggest difference right now? Yeah. No, it is. The Be- bargain players. Although, Nolan Carroll, you know. I would, Garrett Blunt for them. Yeah. They did. They, they, did they, bought, they bought it. They bottom fish and there and there's hit. I don't I George don't. Selby. Remember George Selby? That's not that's that's a guy they signed out of nowhere two weeks before the season started. That's not. But that's that's thing. that's you know okay. They traded for they traded for Martin. David Irvin. I, if you look at my timeline, we can't play a game without David Irvin. I wouldn't mm. recommend it if you can help it. Yeah, they can. You have a good point there, Brian. <laughs> As you can tell, we've got a lot of ideas and a lot of disagreements about what next to do for the Cowboys. Fortunately. Uh, we got a long way to go before any of that stuff comes into play. It's still only February. Like Justin Timberlake, what by the it? way. February eighth. What what day is it? It's February seventh. Yeah. We got a month, six weeks till free agency, even longer till the draft. We got a lot to talk about. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see y'all next week with another episode of the break. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?